Well, welcome to Elgin Baptist Church and thank you for tuning in to our morning service. My name is Graham Swanson. I'm the minister here and I trust and pray that you may be blessed as you join with us this morning as we praise God in song and as we open up our hearts to his word. In Isaiah 6, the prophet writes that in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Our first song encourages us to do likewise. Behold our God seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. And our second song calls for all peoples to praise the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for the access that we have into your presence. And we thank you, O oh God, that the God that Isaiah saw seated on his throne, high and exalted, is the same God that we would seek to worship and praise and adore. We thank you that you are the same, Lord. We thank you that you are unchanging. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for your love and your compassion. We thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. We thank you that you are, a, you are the God who has a plan and a purpose for each one of us, Lord. And we come to you and we thank you that you are a forgiving God. And we pray, Lord, for your forgiveness. We pray that you would, as you look upon us, you would see not our sin, but you would see us clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, the one who loves us, the one who gave himself for us, the one in whom there is redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for all your blessings to us, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we take what we have for granted. Forgive us when we can mump and moan and grumble and complain. We, like the psalmist, we can acknowledge that the lines have fallen upon us in pleasant times, Lord. Even though we are in times of, of great unrest and uncertainty for many people, we thank you that, that um, you are constant, Lord. And, and we do continue to pray into the whole coronavirus situation. We still continue to see the numbers affected by it rise, Lord. And Lord, we just long for an end to it. We, we, we pray, Lord, that you would intervene. You need only say the word, Lord, and, and it can be gone. And, and our trust and our confidence is in you, Lord. And yet we pray for those who are suffering in whatever way from it, that even this morning uh, they would know your grace, your peace, and your mercy. And as we gather, Lord, you know each one of us. You know the things that we are going through. You know what this week has brought or what this coming week holds. Uh, we just pray that as we gather this morning, this might this time might be, as it were, an oasis in the desert. So we ask you, Lord, to come and bless us and be with us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Well, boys and girls, I trust that you had a great time yesterday morning at Jam. Uh, you were learning, I am told, all about Daniel in the lion's den. And the thing is, boys and girls, when we learn these stories, we need to remember that the God who Daniel trusted in, the God who saved Daniel, is the same God that we can trust in and who can save us. And we're going to sing just about that now in the Salvation Poem. Dear God, we thank you that you are indeed the same God. We thank you that you do not change. And we pray that you would help us, whatever age we might be, to trust you in every situation that we face. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue our studies in First Thessalonians. And this morning we're going to be reading from chapter 5, verses 16 through to 22. So let's hear God's word. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So reads God's precious word. Before we look together at these verses, let us sing, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. Father, we do thank you that you are worthy of all of our praise. We thank you that for those of us who have trusted in Christ, we have indeed been ransomed, healed, restored and forgiven. We ask, Lord, now that you would be with us as we turn to your word and that you would speak to us through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, following instructions is paramount in getting things right. And that applies to each and every situation. I recall the day that um, my granny died. I, I think I was about 10 and my mum left one of my older brothers uh, to be in charge of us. Uh, as she had to go out and kind of sort out things you need to sort out when, when someone dies. And my brother decided that he would give us macaroni cheese for our tea. Not the homemade variety. No, this was uh, some, and some of you may remember, depending on your age and upbringing, uh, this was made by Kraft Foods and, and was boiled in the bag macaroni and cheese it looked something like this but absolutely nowhere near as appetizing the clue the clue was it was called boil in the bag the instructions were really simple you boil the water you open the box and you put the packs in but that day my brother in his wisdom decided to empty all the contents of the bags into the pan of boiling water. It, it was a disaster. It, it was macaroni cheese soup. 
that had floaters everywhere. And, and worse still, he actually made us sit at the table and eat it. And, and to this day, I just cannot look or even taste uh, macaroni and cheese. 50 years of scarring, I need help. Instructions are important. And in the verses we read, Paul is giving further instructions in how we are to live in order to please God. That's been the theme since chapter 4. And in particular here, he is speaking in relation to when we come together as a church. Uh, if you remember last week, we looked at um, the church's responsibility towards leaders and, and towards each other. And now we see, as I said here, primarily what the response is to worship. What the response is when they gather together. What is it, it is to consist of? And let me just also say that I think these verses can equally apply to both our corporate and our individual lives. But, but the immediate context is the congregated people of God. We see that from verse 27, where Paul says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers, that is, to the whole church. One of the things that people often come and say to me is, what is God's will for me? And while that can at times be a difficult thing to discern, we see in these verses something concerning God's will for us all. When Paul writes in verse 18, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So here is at least part of God's will for all of God's people. So with these thoughts in mind, let's look at the verses and see what we can learn from them. There are, as you might have noticed, eight instructions that Paul gives here to the church at Thessalonica, which are every bit as relevant for us today in Elgin or wherever else we may be listening in from. And if you look at them closely, you will see that they give instructions for what should happen when any church congregate to worship God. So, so kind of let's look at them, but in case you fear you're going to have eight headings and now reach for the stop button, let me just bring them together under two headings. Firstly, from verses 16 to 18, we read about persistence in worship and verses 19 to 22 of discernment in worship. So firstly, persistence in worship. Let me just also make clear right at the outset that when I speak of worship, I am not just referring to the singing bit. Worship is much more than just our singing. Paul speaks here of three things in these verses. He says, be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Yeah, I guess we have to ask, is, is this possible? How can we always be joyful? Uh, Gordon Fee, in, in, in one of his books, uh, helps us out, I think, when he says this. The emphasis here on joy is not so much on the experience of joy 
but the active expression of it. It is why perhaps uh, the New Revised Standard Translation, new, the New Revised, the New Revised Standard Version Translation has to rejoice, is to be preferred to what the NIV has, is to be joyful. It's more, it's more about an action and an attitude than just an emotion. We cannot always be joyful, at, at least not outwardly. However, what we can do is, as Paul encourages us to in Philippians 4 and 4, is to rejoice in the Lord always. You see, friends, it depends where our focus is. We noted from Nehemiah chapter 8 last week that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And John Stott helpfully points out that this is not a call to be happy but an invitation to joyful worship. Brothers and sisters, when we gather together, I know how I and no doubt you are really missing that, but when we do, then joy should be evident. Now let me just say that rejoicing and reverence are not contradictory. So, so joy and rejoicing and praise should be an active element of our coming together. So also, if you see the next instruction, should prayer be? Pray continually. When you read through the early chapters of Acts, they give to us something of what life in the early church was like, and we see the priority that prayer played in the early church. And again, we need to understand what, what Paul is getting at here, that this is not an instruction to every minute of every day be praying. That, that is just not possible. But it is a call to be persistent in prayer. It was the disciples, do you remember, who, who came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I have always found that and, and quite amazing and, and at one point quite puzzling also. I mean, the disciples had witnessed Jesus firsthand do miracles. They, they, they witnessed at firsthand his, his preaching. But they didn't ask him, to teach them to do miracles, they didn't ask him to preach. When they witnessed him at prayer, that is what they wanted more than anything to do like he did. Lord, teach us to pray. How is your prayer life? And remember, primarily, Paul is speaking here in the context of the gathered church. He is addressing here, for want of a better word, corporate prayer. And, and before you, you might think, here he goes again about prayer. Brothers and sisters, I'm addressing it because the Bible's teaching it. And prayer is essential for any church that seeks to live in order to please God. Individuals at prayer, but corporate prayer also. I read this recently in a book about prayer where the writer uh, senses what, what he sees 
as the, the, the gradual disappearing of the corporate prayer meeting. He says this, we proliferate our programs while at the same time we marginalise corporate prayer. The old-fashioned Wednesday night prayer meeting has virtually disappeared. Well, we've kind of started a Wednesday night one here at 7 o'clock. I encourage you if you're able to come to join. But he goes on to say, there is nothing sacred about Wednesday night as a prayer meeting time or, or, or whatever night or whatever time we meet. It's not that that is sacred. It's not that that is special. But there is certainly something sacred about the corporate prayer of believers. I've said much about prayer over the years that I have been, been here, but as I recently shared, I really do believe that God is calling me and us to get serious regarding the corporate prayer life of the church. So I encourage you. And yes, I know, I know that it's not the same. But 7.30, every Thursday, on Zoom, let us make it a date. Let us make it an appointment with God. What else are you doing for an hour and a half that is more important than praying? Coming into the presence of God, of the living God, with your brothers and sisters. Praise and prayer are two vital ingredients for the Christian, both individually, but also corporately. And then in the third of these instructions, Paul speaks of giving thanks in all circumstances. And, and again, at first, first reading we might think, come on Paul, you're having a laugh here. Thankful in all circumstances. However, there is an important point here. Notice carefully what Paul is instructing. Notice what he is saying. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Not give thanks for all circumstances. There's, there's a difference. You see, we as Christians have more reason to be thankful than anyone else. When we truly grasp all that God and Christ has done for us, when he has ransomed us and healed us and restored us, just like we, we can rejoice in the Lord, so we can give thanks that God, who is a God of infinite love, works for the good of his people in each and every situation. It doesn't mean we are thankful for every situation that we face. A kind of, yes, Lord, thank you for COVID or, 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 or whatever. No. What it does mean is that because we rejoice in the Lord, because we pray, because we understand, because we trust, we can give thanks in every situation. You see, brothers and sisters, God's love and God's care and God's concern for us is just as strong, is just as true, is just as sure in times of good as well as bad. Paul knew that probably more than anyone else, maybe apart from the psalmist. It was Paul who, along with Silas at midnight in the prison cell, was praying and singing. 
rejoicing and giving thanks persistently is rooted and grounded in who God is and what God has done and what God has said and it doesn't rely on us but on him. So do you want to know God's will for you? Well, here is at least part of it in these verses. Rejoice, pray, and be thankful. Secondly, we see from verses 19 to 22, we are, as we gather, to show discernment in worship. If praying and praising is an essential ingredient of our gatherings, brothers and sisters, so also is preaching. We have to be open to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to us, and he speaks primarily to us through his word. And we have to be careful not to fit him or how he may choose to work into our neat little boxes. Paul says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. That is, do not dampen the flame that he may be igniting. Yes, have order, but not so restrictive that we put out the fire. You see, when we come together, it's not emotion or co not emotion or commotion that matters, but devotion. And one way we can dampen the Spirit's fire is not to listen to God's word. Paul says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Now, we, we need to remember that the early church did not have, as we do, the complete inspired scriptures. This is God's final word to us. So, so the Holy Spirit gave the gift of prophecy to, to certain people who would speak that word. Now that then, as today, can be open to misuse. That is why Paul further instructs them to, did you see, test everything. And that is easier for us today than it was for the early church. For we do not have prophets today as then. We have, as I said, the full canon of Scripture. This is God's final word to us, and everything is to be measured up against it. So if somebody, anybody, claims to have some kind of new revelation, then we must test it against all that God has fully and finally revealed to us in his word. And that, brothers and sisters, calls for discernment. We're to be like the Bereans who, who went back and studied the scriptures to see if what was said was true. And Wayne Grudman, in, in one of his books, gives us two good guidelines in regards to, to prophecy today when he says this. One, remember it is not the word of God, but someone saying what God has said to them. There is a difference. And two, test it against what scripture says. Because you see, never... Never will the Holy Spirit reveal anything to anybody that is contrary to Scripture, which, as I said, is our final guide for both faith, life, and practice. So, in the coming together 
of God's people. We have praising, we have praying, we have preaching, all to be done with joy and with thanksgiving. It is as we open ourselves up to speak to God, so he comes and speaks to us. I uh, came across uh, in some of my reading this week what is the call to worship in the book of common prayer never read it before uh, but i came across it this week and uh, it says this in in relation to a call to worship we assemble in god's presence both to hear his most holy word and to set forth his most worthy praise what a wonderful description of what the gathered church should gather to do. Hear his most holy word and set forth his most worthy praise. His final two instructions are actually like the previous six. They're all quite clear, aren't they? Because he tells them that after discerning, that is, after testing that which is of God and that which is not, then they are to do two things. They are to hold on to the good, that which is from God, and they are to avoid every kind of evil, that which is not of God. Hold on to the good. Don't let it go. That is, brother, sister, keep on rejoicing. Keep on praying. Keep on thanking. Keep on discerning. And avoid every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. Not just evil itself, but the very appearance of it. You see, we should not, as Christians, be thinking, kind of, how far can I go or or how, how much can I do, or, or how near can I get before the, wherever the line might be before it affects me. Let me say, if you have to ask if something is wrong as a Christian, then it probably is wrong. God's given us a conscience. And so if it's wrong, we are to avoid it. We, we, we will see God willing next time that sanctification is to be our goal. We are to become more and more like the Lord Jesus. Yet too often we can play loose with what is not good for us. I've, um, I've used this illustration before, but it, it seems kind of so apt. Do you, you know how in um, kind of restaurant kitchens, they have these kind of blue fluorescent lights that kind of, zap and kill the flies and and it's always amazed me because you, you you would think that the flies that kind of fly about would would look and see that you know their, their little pal flies have have been zapped but no they kind of keep going nearer and nearer it until all of a sudden they too are zapped if, if you don't want to get zapped, if you want to avoid every kind of evil, then stay as far away as possible from every appearance 
of evil. Hold on to what is good. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude as you praise, as you pray, and as you discern. And hold fast to that which is good. Father, we thank you that these instructions and many others that you give us are not in order to, to spoil us or to frustrate us or to make our life dull and boring, but to enable us through you to know life in all its fullness. Lord, help us to rejoice and to pray and to be thankful. Enable us to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading and to hold fast to that which is good and avoid every kind of evil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing song reminds us that as we hold fast to God, so he holds fast to us. Even when we might feel as if we can't hold on any longer. We're reminded in the words of this uh, song, which has become a favourite to so many of us, he will hold me fast. Paul writes in Romans 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon us this day and all our days. Amen. Well, thank you once again for listening into us if you would like to uh, know more about what it means to follow Jesus or more about us as a church then the details will appear up on the screen we would love uh, to hear from you but uh, thank you once again and may God richly bless you